the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you with us. This is the show where we do our best every single week to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker here with Chad Robichaux. And each week we break down a particular issue that can help you, the listener, and help us as the ones who are working through this with you to navigate a culture that is changing every single day. We don't have to look very far to know that things are changing and things are shifting. There's one place in the country that we can look to as a microcosm of what we would hope that the rest of our nation would be. Now, whether you like it or not, whether you want to live there or not, (laughs) Texas is a place in our country uh, that really represents what I think many of us would like to see, particularly in the governance area for the rest of the United States. And uh, we're going to talk about Texas a little bit today because, uh, again, it's not a a state isolated from the rest of the United States. It's a state that in many ways provides an example of how we should operate. And again, in many ways, if we lose Texas as conservatives, uh, then we will probably lose the ability to govern the rest of the United States. So it's a very important and uh, uh, essential issue right now, particularly. Yeah, I mean, Texas is obviously important to me. because I live here, <laughs> but uh, but I think outside of, uh, outside of living here, just as an American, I mean, um, I look at the battle lines that have been drawn between you know two major political parties in this country, and uh, there's a reason that uh, you know they're the Democratic Party is pumping, and, and not just Democratic Party, but people who are uh, you know left of conservatism are pumping millions of dollars into candidates like you know Beto O'Rourke or. Francis O'Rourke. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, because they they recognize that in order to be able to control America, you have to first take out the last kind of stronghold, which is which is Texas. Right. And uh, you know, uh, yeah, our guest today that we're going to talk to, you know, it's Alan West, and you know, we'll get into you know who Alan West is and why we have him on. But he wrote a book, "The Whole Texas, Whole the Nation," and uh, it just really outlines why, how important it is uh, that Texas is fought for and that energy. And, and focus is putting on uh, for conservatives to put on holding Texas because if you lose Texas, you know we're going to lose the ability to govern our country. So we'll uh, we'll break that down a little bit today, and uh, very grateful to have on our guest, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Our guest today is someone who needs very little introduction to our audience. It is an honor to have once again with us, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And uh, Colonel West, thank you for taking some time to talk to us today. So appreciative you're here. It's my pleasure to be with you guys, uh, Jeremy and Chad. And Happy New Year to both of you and to all of everyone out there watching. You have uh, have done just about everything, it seems like, in your professional career, uh, from leading in the United States Army to leading in Congress and now running for governor. Um, we're going to talk about Texas a little bit and some specific issues related to Texas. But if we can start here, I would love to. You wrote a book recently called Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. And in that, you outlined the importance of Texas to the nation. And I wonder if we can just start there. We're going to talk about some specific issues as it relates to the state. 
But let's start there. Uh, broad question, why does Texas matter? You know, Texas is the only state in the United States of America that has its own Declaration of Independence. I think that's a very key and important thing to realize. The only state that fought for its independence by itself and won it back in uh, 1836. And Texas was uh, its own nation. It was a republic itself of Texas before it became part of the Union back uh, December 29th of 1845. And when you think about Texas, when you think about energy security, when you think about national security, the largest military installation in the world is in Texas. When you think about economic security, ninth, somewhere between the ninth and twelfth largest economy in the world is the state of Texas. And so what has made Texas all of these things that people revere, people honor, people that respect is that sense of rugged individualism, that entrepreneurship, that freedom uh, that you see here. And so as long as Texas can continue to be that beacon uh, of constitutional conservative principles and values and policies thereof, I think that if more states replicate what has happened here in Texas, it's going to be for the betterment of the United States of America. So that book that I wrote really did a compare and contrast between you know, the state of Texas and where you are out there, Jeremy, and the state of California and the incredible different uh, paths mm. that they took. And remember that California used to be a right. red state. It right. produced Richard Nixon, produced right. Ronald Reagan, and look at what it is today. And uh, we don't want to see Texas go down that yeah. path. If Texas did go down that path, how does it impact the nation if Texas went from red to blue? It's over. Uh, from an electoral perspective, if you have uh, control of New York, uh, California, Pennsylvania to an extent, and then Texas, electoral vote count, which you only need 270, is done. And that's why I think that the progressive socialist left, and I don't talk about Democrat Party. Political parties are starting to mean less and less. It's all about your governing philosophy. And so the progressive socialist Marxist left uh, that's why they have their sites clearly on Texas. That's why they're coming in and taking over the major urban population centers that you see here, because that ends up being their playbook. That's their strategy. That's their mantra. It's a very, very uh, concerted effort. To put, I mean, from what I see, they're putting millions of dollars buying candidates and and uh, and just. I mean, they recognize that this is the battleground. Texas is the battleground. That's one of the things that I took out of your book was, uh, you know, if you hold Texas, you keep the nation. And uh, and one of the things mm-hmm. that we're seeing, uh, we all know, no secret, you're running for governor. And, uh, you know, I, I personally uh, have endorsed you for governor because you're the person I think is the most qualified person to be governor of Texas. And you're just an incredible human being. But I got a uh, in the last two days, I've seen something uh, that made me really excited. You are uh, you're polling to win. win. You're polling to win in the primary. I mean, you're at thirty eight point six, thirty eight point six percent of the uh, of the primary vote right now. So uh, can you just talk a little bit about that and what's that mean? I mean, Governor Abbott's uh, a yeah. lot of it's competing against a lot of money and a lot of uh, people that are still behind Governor Abbott. But, you know, you're polling ahead. Well, I think that that's a reflection of what a commander in the military does, and that's how I've always believed. You get down there and you talk Mm -hmm. to your troops, just the same as you get out here and you talk to people across the state of Texas, and you look at them eyeball to eyeball, and you let them ask you the tough questions, and you respond with the good, strong, principled uh, answers, and I think that's been the strength. But I would tell you that, you know, people like to see polls and everything like that, but the most important poll comes on uh, March the 1st when they're all zeros (laughs) on the scoreboard. So uh, we continue to stay hungry and we continue to stay focused. Well, you're talking about some important issues that a lot of people hadn't talked about. And one of the ones that uh, you and I have talked about personally, because uh, I went to you on this, is, is the border crisis. 
Um, you know, I have friends yeah. that are actually deployed on the border right now uh, from the tech, uh, Texans that are in the National Guard. Um, you know, friends that are in uh, 20th Special Forces Group. And, uh, I mean, these are guys that have been around the Special Operations Community for a long time, very experienced. Mm-hmm. And they're out there on the border, and they're like, Chad, I've never seen anything like this before. We don't have the weapons we need. We don't have the support we need. We don't have any yeah. ammunition. We don't have logistical support. We're just put out here and put vulnerable uh, put, put in a vulnerable position to do this job that we shouldn't even be doing, uh, you know, shouldn't be doing because the crisis shouldn't be the way it is in the first place. Um, and then, yeah. you know, the first person I need to reach out to was, was you. And, uh, and, and you've really have uh, brought some attention to the situation. Uh, so can you talk about the border a little bit? Yeah. yeah, sure. Well, that's one of the things. If you look at the Texas State Constitution, Article 4, Section 7, uh, the preeminent duty and responsibility of the uh, of the governor of Texas as commander of the Texas Military Department is just two words: repel invasions. And that's exactly what the founding fathers referred to it as in the uh, United States Constitution. And the federal government, by the Guarantee Clause, which is Article Four, Section Four, is supposed to protect every state in the union from invasion. They're not doing that. And so, in the brilliance of the uh, Constitution writers, they put in Article One, Section Ten, Clause Number Three, the ability of the states to uh, defend themselves and take actions if actually invaded when there's an imminent danger without any admittable delay. So let's talk about what not securing that border means. It means that Texas in this month, January, is National uh, Slavery and Human Trafficking Month. It's the number one state in the United States of America for human and sex trafficking. You live right outside of uh, Houston. I live right outside of Dallas. So we live outside of the top two cities in the country for sex trafficking, Houston and Dallas. We have seen uh, Texas as number three in the country for missing Mm. children. Uh, And the drug trafficking crisis that we are are experiencing, which, you know, has an effect on our veterans. And and thank you for Mighty Oaks and everything that you do. But the uh, largest amount of drug overdoses in the history of this country was last year, primarily due to the fentanyl. Where does fentanyl come from? Originates in China with the ingredients, comes to Mexico, manufactured, refined, then comes across the border. And then when you look at what is happening with our National Guard troops, number one, they don't have a clear and defined mission and task and purpose. They were just told, get down there to the border. A lot of these uh, individuals were just plucked out of units, and they're not deploying as organic units. And that's a breakdown of unity of effort and unity of command, two very important principles. And then you're correct, uh, not enough ammunition, 210 rounds, basic uh, (laughs) load. That's what they're supposed to have. I know that but yet they only have 80 to 90. They're exchanging body armor. They are relieving themselves on the side of roads because they don't have enough porta-potties. They're not getting paid on time. And what does that mean? It means that in the past two months, and, and this is why we need a Mighty Oaks intervention here in the Texas National Guard, we've had five suicides of Texas National Guard members in wow. just two months, since November and December and going into this year. And yesterday, I got a phone call about a black female soldier that uh, said that she wanted to kill herself, so suicide ideations. So we've got to get this thing fixed, and and I don't think that it's a failure of leadership. That's what it really is. Why isn't the leadership, whether it's on the ground or uh, the state capitol, why is the leadership not stepping up and recognizing the same issues that you just outlined and doing something about it? What's, what's uh, What's the obstacle or the barrier to care? Well, it's amazing how they're just obfuscating. As a matter of fact, the sitting governor right now said that 
all of the things that I brought up. And last week, Tuesday, we had a, a press conference with a former the command sergeant major of the Texas Army Guard. And the, the governor says that we're just play, trying to pick up political points. Well, saying that wow. you're concerned about what's happening with troops on the border is not about politics. Right. But yet the operation that has been thrown together, we rushed to failure with this thing, Operation Lone Star. That's where the politics comes in. But I think, Jeremy, what you're just looking at is an incompetence and an inability to know what right looks like and say we need to have an operational pause and we need to fix this thing. And we need to have investigations to find out where these breakdowns of leadership have been. I think one of the reasons that Texas is so important in the United States and why others need to care, even if we don't live in Texas, is because it does provide an example for the rest of the country to follow. Uh, so many of the issues that Texas is dealing with, the border issue, um, the National Guard <laughs> issues, as you just outlined them, and so many of these other issues are, are, are things that our country is dealing with. And we need yeah. to know as a country, as a nation, how to, how to, how to uh, not only deal with them, but how to deal with them in a way that makes sense and that can bring us to a place uh, where we're able to move forward instead of just uh, being caught in the quagmire of everything that's happen happening politically. And so Texas can do that. One of the areas that this has happened in Texas is building the wall. We talk about the border crisis, and Texas has provided an example of what it looks like to uh, recognize a problem and begin to deal with the problem. Uh, how important is it that Texas decided on its own to build the wall, and what does that look like, and really what does that mean for the rest of the country? Well, I, I hate to put it into a true context, but Texas shares a 1,254-mile border with a, a failed state, with Mexico. Mexico does not control the right. provinces along the Rio Grande River. Uh, the Trump wall that has been completed to this point was only 145 miles. Now, that, that leaves 1,100 miles still. And what Governor Abbott has uh, been talking about and what he's looking to do it's just 1.7 miles. Hmm. And so, again, we get into these political optics. We, you know, that looks like you're doing something. Let's get 10,000 troops down to the border in Operation Lone Star. But yet they're not doing anything. They're not stopping. They're not deterring. They're not patrolling. They're not interdicting. Uh, nothing. They're not deporting. Uh, I'm going to build a wall. Well, first and foremost, it was a chain-link fence. And you can see pictures where the... The, the folks coming across, the smugglers, have already cut through the chain link fence. And now the other thing is 1.7 miles. And so uh, to put it in a military uh, metaphor, what we continue to see are Band-Aids being put on a sucking chest wound. Right. And right. what does this sucking chest wound mean for the rest of the country? Over the Christmas holiday season, there were five to six airplanes that took off out of Texas that landed in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania, with illegal immigrants. We know that has happened in the middle of the night in Westchester County, New York, in Tennessee, and in Florida. And so, actually, what is if Texas does not step up and do what is necessary, and, and like I said, hold Texas, hold the nation, we're seeing the nation being adversely affected by the illegal immigrants that are coming and being dispersed all throughout this country. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, I've always loved and admired you about you as a as a leader and a friend is just your kind of pragmatic approach to everything. You're just, you know, you you've been at the high levels of the military, you've been in high levels of government in Congress, but you've always just been a normal Alan. <laughs> like <you've> been, <laughs> and I, and I, I, just, I just love that about you that yeah. you know you've never got sucked into this. But it seems like everybody that's goes into D.C. get or goes into the you know, the governor's mansion gets corrupted or, or gets uh, sucked into 
you know, just big politics or gets bought by lobbyists. So I know that not to be you. So what I'm, what I'm asking is how will an Allen West gov- governor be different than what we've seen from Governor Abbott or other governors around the country? What, what would you do on a pragmatic level differently than what we've, we're used to seeing? Cause well, well, I think that you guys, I mean, you guys both served in, in, in the United States Marine Corps. I was just a simple little paratrooper that served in the, in the Army. And with the Marine Corps, too, though. i gotta, I got to give you yeah, that. And, and with the Marines, three years with the Marines. And the thing, you don't forget where you came from. You don't forget those lessons, you know, that I learned that, you know, leaders know what right looks like. Uh, and, and the lessons of, of just humility and, and being able to, to lead from the front by example. So I will tell you that the biggest difference between myself and the, the current sitting governor is that I do not have the or believe that I have the power to decide who or what is essential. The most essential thing in, in Texas and across the country is individuals, their liberty and their freedoms and their rights. And so I would never make a decision that will usurp or take away the uh, the individual's liberties and freedoms. But yet we saw that happen here. And I would never have a disregard for the people that I am called to serve. You know, that and that really is the standard by which we call ourselves Christians. You know, it says in uh, in the book of Mark that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And greater love hath no one, John 15, 13, than to lay down his life for uh, for his friends. And so when you have that servant leadership mentality, which is what I learned over 22 years in the military, uh, that doesn't change. It, it doesn't matter, you know, if someone wants to take you out to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It doesn't matter how big of a check that they want to write you for a campaign contribution. You should, you, you just never forget who you are and where you came from. Yeah, that's good. I was going to ask a different question, but but since you brought it up, can you talk about your faith? And I, I think that's so central to who you are. And when I look at someone who who governs, um, having a clear understanding of their faith is very important to me and I know to a lot of people there. Can you talk about your faith and, and sure. really how that informs the decisions that you make? Well, the Judeo-Christian faith heritage is integral to the foundation of this country. And, and if you try to extract that out, then you put a crack in the foundation of America. So we have to reestablish that. And when you talk about my own personal faith, you know, I gave my life over to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in January of 1980 mm-hmm. in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, when yeah. I was uh, a freshman up there. Uh, and, and, you know, not to say that we're perfect, but we know from whom our blessings flow. Right. And, right. and I think that, you know, if you understand that, again, you don't sit and, and look into yourself when these hard decisions or any decision comes up. You ask just the same as Solomon asked uh, when the Lord said, whatever you wish, I, I will grant it to you. And Solomon just said wisdom and discernment. And, and that's what I pray, is that every single day that the Lord will bless me with the wisdom and discernment to make the right decisions going forward. And I think that, you know, you come back around, you ask him about, you know, the 38.6% polling number. It's because I just ask him every day to bless me with the wisdom and discernment to be able to offer these very, like you say, pragmatic, common-sense solutions to what people would say are complex policy issues or, or situations. Nothing's hard. You just mm-hmm. have to sit down and, and, and ask to be blessed with the ability to see through it and, and come up with a viable solution. So it is my faith is everything. And so, you know, on July the 4th, when I announced uh, to run for governor, I did it from my church yeah. because that's how important it is to me. Yeah. 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 That's good. I, mean, I think one of the things you you've done is, uh, you know, you've always done is surround yourself with the right people. I mean, I, I look at Mighty Oaks and myself and the only reason I've 
attribute success to the work that we've had to Mighty Oaks is because the people that God's brought in my life and surrounding myself mm-hmm. by just amazing people like both of you gentlemen. Uh, and so what, what type of people like do you see bringing into your cabinet, you're surrounding yourself with? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Austin, like Washington, D.C., and we've seen this with President Trump. President Trump goes in there and starts making amazing changes, but the Republican Party didn't participate mm-hmm. in any of that. And if anything, they reported the obstruction against him. Do you see that same thing happening in Austin? And what do you plan to do to change? Some of the no, people? you're you're absolutely right. And I think that if there's one thing I could sit down with President Trump, and maybe you could do it next time you see him, Chad, <laughs> is say that, you know, sir, it's one thing to go in and say, I'm changing out the, the, the head of this agency or head of that agency. But you got to look at the second, third, and fourth order levels down. And I think that's one of the things that the, the president did not do very well. is <laughs> it, look all the way through some of the, the leadership of some of those agencies. Yeah. And that's what caused him a problem. So I will tell you first and foremost that there are a lot of people that are going to get in, uh, begin a little pink slip. Uh, I think in the military we call it a Papa Yankee Sierra note. You know, pack your, you know what, (laughs) Uh, because I want to make sure that we have people that will be loyal to Texas, not to me, but loyal to Texas. People that have the same governing philosophy that I have of constitutional conservatism, people that understand that uh, what it means to be a public servant, meaning you serve the public and not yourself. So there will be many agencies, the Texas Education uh, Agency, Texas uh, Medical Board, Nursing Board, Pharmacy Board. I can tell you we're going to get a new adjutant general for the Texas uh, Military Department because I sit back and look at some of these places and and just say that these people have lost touch. And so we've got to make sure that we get things back to serving the people of Texas, not serving themselves and not serving special interests, the lobbyists either. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like... (laughs) I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went, and I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women 
who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Um, one of the big issues from last year was the energy crisis that Texas experienced. It really, uh, at least from the outside looking in, was a, such a strange, <laughs> such a strange event. Uh, can yeah. you can you maybe outline that for people who aren't living in Texas and don't understand sure. it? Yeah, because so many people say, how could it be in a, in a state that has such an abundance right. of energy resources that you turn around and it looks like North Korea on a satellite right. image photo <laughs> right. at night? Right. Well, what happened is that we put an over-reliance in an unreliable energy source sources, and that's wind and solar. Mm. And so we had 23 to 26% energy distribution attributed to wind and solar. And so on Valentine's Day of last year, uh, a Sunday, uh, the ERCOT operator sitting there, he sees that 23% level drop, bam, right down to 3%. And actually, we were about 4 minutes and 53 seconds from having a catastrophic uh, blackout for the entire state of Texas. And when they tried to go and uh, fire up some of these natural gas plants, well, guess what? No one had enforced the standard of winterization mm. of some of these backup natural gas plants, and they weren't able to fire up either. And look, we grew up in the military. What did, they, what did you do every fall before you went into the winter? You winterized your generators, you did what was necessary for your vehicles, everything, all of your equipment. And, and again, it's just those simple basics yep. that we took for granted in the military that we've got to get operating here. So we need to make sure that we reduce the dependence that we have on wind and solar. Three to six percent is where it should be. Uh, no more subsidies to wind and solar. If they don't produce, then they have to pay a fine for not being able to produce. They have to be held to standard. We've got to look at bringing back some of the clean coal fire plants that we had. I think we shut down three to four of those plants. And we also need to look and see if Texas can bring in another nuclear energy plant. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, COVID's a, a topic for everyone right now. Mm. Uh, when you look at nationally, Texas isn't as restricted as where Jeremy is in California. But certainly there were some things done right in Texas and some things done wrong. And I know you have, uh, you and I probably align on the you know, personal liberties yeah. and infringing on those. You know, how could, you know, what was done right in Texas? What was done wrong? And how could it have been done different? Well, the wrong thing was that you took away people's individual liberties. Uh, as I said earlier, no elected official has the enumerated power to decide who or what is essential. So how do you turn to one business and say, you've got to close, but the other business over here, they can stay open? That, 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 to me, is just heinous. Or how do you tell healthy people that you must stay locked up in your house? You don't have the right to be able to do that. Right. And especially when you're dealing with a virus that has a 995 or 6% recovery rate. And so I think that you know, a lot of elected officials fear mongered people into surrendering their liberty. And furthermore, when you look at the things that Governor Abbott did do with the mandates on masks and, and closing down businesses, he didn't have the, uh, the authority or the right to do that. But then yet he came back and, uh, you know, acted like he was a hero and, quote, unquote, giving it back to us. Well, 
you can't give back something that you never had the right to take yeah. in the first place. So I think that we have to once again sit down, and it's just like in the military, the military decision-making process that we go through, looking at different courses of action, analyzing you know, the, the assumptions and the facts and all of these things to be able to come up with the best possible solution. And so I think that we've got to get back to that. And we're still suffering here with these mandates of vaccines that are hanging over our heads and the governor refuses to have a fourth special session, which is something that everyone's asking for to include 30 members of the Texas State House and State Senate. But for whatever reason, he won't do that special session to codify it into law that there will not be any vaccine mandates in the state of Texas so people don't lose their jobs. Yeah. One of the interesting things to me watching, particularly Texas with Governor Abbott, is, um, and I'll see if I can say this right, he, he has been a fairly popular governor. He's, he's governed well until COVID and some of the issues of the last year and a half or so. And as I watch him, I've really been struck with the reality that if your foundation is not strong, if your clarity on things like individual liberty and justice um, are not clear before a crisis, then when you find yourself in a crisis, you're going to be yeah. lost. And, and it seems to me like he's not done anything that is, uh, you know, springing from an evil heart per se, but that he's just, he's wandering. He's trying to find his way because he had not already established what he believes about these things before that. Can you talk about that a little bit? And I think that's just so important when we look at someone who we would want to govern us, not to ask the question, how would they deal with what's happening right now? But to ask the question, how will they deal with that crisis we don't even see coming down the road? No, you're absolutely right. And it's very interesting. The uh, Texas Monthly, their January edition, uh, it gave Governor Abbott the Bum Steer Award. Mm -hmm. And their uh, picture representation of him on the cover was his face on a weather vane. Uh, <laughs> you never want to be depicted right. as that type of a right. leader. And so I will tell you, you bring up a great point, Jeremy. And, and Chad and, and I, we saw this in our military careers. You could have a commander that was a great commander in garrison. I mean, he knew all the regulations. Right, uh, right. He, he, you know, he, he understood, you know, PMCS and vehicles. But then all of a sudden you take that commander and you put him out in the field for a major training exercise, being at, you know, the National Training Center or 29 Pops or in combat, and they just fall apart. Right. They're just not able to deal with the fluidity of being able to handle those uh, adverse conditions, especially when you have uh, an enemy that you're facing. And we all know in combat that the enemy has a vote. Sure. And I think that that's what you have seen revealed with Governor Abbott is that here's a guy, he's been 12 years Attorney General. Before he was Attorney General, he was on the Texas State Supreme Court, and now he go goes and becomes governor. But has he really been tested? Right. Uh, and everyone's just kind of motoring along. Everything's fine here in Texas. And then, bam, all of a sudden you get hit with the mother of all issues right. and the mother of all challenges, and he basically just fell apart. And so that's what Texas are now looking and seeing. Well, this guy has never really been consistently strong and principally based uh, previous to that. We just hadn't paid attention to right. it. So I think that COVID and some of these other things, you know, put some real serious chinks in the armor of the governor, uh, and folks are just looking for something one new now. I think that's where we talk about the difference between management and leadership. Yes. And what we should be looking for, particularly at the executive level, are folks who can lead not people who can manage. They're great managers. They're just not leaders. Um, and we need some the real leadership. Managers go to the Air Force. 
Right. <laughs> the Air Force <laughs> is a great management right. school. Right. No. Um, but we need people right, let me right take, who can Let lead. me take that back. I need the Air Force vote. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> well, you'll get it. But, uh, yeah, you're right, though. But there's a difference between management, no. which is moving things and people. It's taking care of processes. It's overseeing what is yeah. working. There's a real difference between that and walking but, into the abyss of the unknown. But you bring up a great point because a good leader is also a good manager. Sure. But a good manager does not translate into a good leader. Right. And so that's the thing right. that you have to look at because, you know, as, as a commander, I had still had to be able to understand the operating systems of the unit, the budget uh, system, the personnel system, right. the right. maintenance, uh, and all of these things. And so you, but, but you still have to be focused on those principles of leadership and not just solely focus on managing uh, principles and managing things. You lead individuals. You manage stuff. That's right. And so you've yeah, got to be right. able to combine those together. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's right. One of, one of the issues that's, you know, I think all three of us on here right now is probably most dear to our hearts is our, is our veteran community. Uh, mm. After 20 years of war, uh, we've seen how, how our, our veterans have been impacted with, you know, veteran suicide and PTSD and divorces and all these things we face, especially coming off of Afghanistan right now and the debacle and how that, how that, that went down. But, uh, I've, I've got to work a lot on a national level, worked with President Trump and uh, the administration to work on veterans policy and bringing faith-based uh, care back into the VA and DOD. What can we do at a state level in Texas uh, under the right leadership to impact the veteran community, both on a state level and nationally? Well, I, I'm going to tell you that I'll be calling you and knocking on your door with mighty oaks. <laughs> uh, so just get ready. Because I think that the only way that you're going to be able to rectify some of the issues in the veteran community is for veterans uh, to be, who are veterans, to be able to look at the viable solutions. Right. And again, your right. faith-based program at Mighty Oaks has been incredibly successful. So you've got to prioritize it. And Texas is one of the leading states for uh, veterans' uh, population. So we've got to make sure that the, the right services are there. and enable them to be able to go and if they need help you don't tell them that you have to go to this one place you just have to go to that va clinic or, or that va hospital just let them know that you will be able to go to any place and the state of texas is going to make sure that you get the right care and and concern and I, I think that the whole mental health issue is something that we need to make sure that we're taking care of our veterans and so that's why i'm looking forward to being with you at your event coming up uh, later this month yeah, yeah that's right yeah, we look forward to having you there uh, Huntsville, if you're and if you're listening, Huntsville, Texas, uh, Walker County, uh, Walker County. We're going to be uh, January 27th. Do I have it right, Jeremy? I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. We're going to be having a you know Colonel West is going to be there with us, and we're doing our Huntsville uh, Walker County banquet. And we do it every year. It's an amazing event. You're really going to have a good time. And the the uh, the ribeye that they're going to make for you is insane. Oh, it, it's the most Texas it. event ever. It, it's yeah. it's uh, concrete floors, lots of cowboy hats, and uh, big meat. That's that's, that's, that's kind of all of it. That's all you need. <laughs> it, with, uh, with, uh, but speaking on that, the, you know, what's the Texas Veteran Commission's role in Texas? Um, what, what, is, what does the Texas Veterans Commission do uh, for veterans in Texas? Well, I, I don't know what they're doing right now uh, specifically, but I know what they should be doing. They should be that immediate uh, point of contact for veterans to be able to 
uh, bring their issues, uh, their grievances even, and make sure that they are rectified. And so they need to be serving our veteran community and making sure that we can uh, ensure that uh, veterans have a good quality way of life. I do not want to see a homeless veteran in the yeah. state of Texas. Yeah. So I think that the Texas Veteran Commission should be out there identifying those veterans that are homeless. If they have a mental health issue, we got to treat it as such. But if they have an issue of maybe they just fell through the cracks, you know, there are a lot of great economic opportunities here. We need to get them plugged in to those economic opportunities. So I think that the Texas Workforce Commission and the Texas Veterans Commission should be working side by side. Yeah. When you um, are on the road talking, you're speaking to people, you're hearing what they have to say, understanding their concerns. Um, what are some of the concerns that you have heard that you will work to address for the people in Texas? The number one concern for the people in Texas is the border. Uh, they see the second, third, and fourth order effects of that, yeah. and so they want to have that border secured. The, the, the next concern, without a doubt, is the uh, onerous and intrusive nature and this tyranny that we see coming down from the federal government. Uh, the, the whole issue about Texas, you know, potentially, you know, moving away out of the union, uh, this Texit uh, movement, I mean, this is very serious because uh, there are some people that believe there's no hope for the United States of America. But I think that there is hope for the United States of America. It starts with Texas, and which goes back to the title of the book. Right. And uh, I think the Texans are ready to stand up and join this fight with someone that they know is going to be dedicated and committed to them. So it's the border and it's this, uh, this intrusive nature of the federal right. government that is undermining their rights and freedoms. Yeah. As we, uh, as we kind of wrap up, can you outline your position or your view on individual liberty? Um, a couple of years ago, you, you, you talked about this. We had a discussion about liberty, where it comes from, uh, why the government can't take it away from you, some of those yeah. issues. Can you outline that? It's, uh, you do such a great job, and I think it's really helpful for people to hear. It is so important that we have to understand that the relationship uh, between the individual and the institution of government is that the individual is supreme and sovereign over the institution of government. And mm -hmm. why is the individual sovereign? It's because your sovereign rights come from our Lord and Savior Jesus right. Christ. Right. Uh, it comes from your Heavenly Father. And John Locke established that with natural rights theory. And with natural rights theory, okay. and with natural rights theory uh, it said that your life, your liberty, your property, Thomas Jefferson refined that to be your pursuit of happiness, it comes from the Creator God. And that is an incredible premise that was codified into our establishment in the Declaration of Independence. And so we must get back to understanding that government exists based upon the consent of the governed. Right. And some of these things that we see happening are just, just violations of our individual liberties. And you have someone now that refers to himself as the president of the United States of America mm. that said no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Mm. I don't understand that. Yeah. The first ten amendments to the Constitution are called the Individual Bill of Rights. And now you have an individual that believes that he has the power to decide yeah. what goes into your body. Well, that's not how we roll in the United right. States of America. Right. So right. we have got to get that relationship between the individual and the institution of government back in balance. This is where the individual is. This is where the institution of government is. That's great. Colonel West, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again. And uh, again, Absolutely. the uh, Huntsville event in Walker County coming up January 27th. Looking forward to that. But uh, thanks for being with us. Where can people follow uh, the campaign sure. right now and learn more about you? You follow it at West the number 4 Texas.com, West, 
FordTexas.com, and we're out there on all the social media yeah. platforms as well. So thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Chad. And I look forward yes. to seeing you guys in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. We'll see you then. Thanks, sir. All right. Hi, Chad and Kathy Robichaud here. We're excited to announce the release of our new book, Fight For Us. After overcoming challenges in our own marriage, we discovered we were not the only ones. So many couples are facing divorce and other challenges just like we had faced. And we decided we wanted to share the biblical principles that helped us align our marriage with the very marriage that God intended for us. You can pre-order your copy at fightforusbook.com or amazon.com and discover the marriage God intended for you. So thankful for Colonel West. He's been an encouragement to us as an organization and certainly a clarion voice in our country, speaking truth and uh, doing it so well and so clearly. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy about uh, interviewing uh, Colonel West is that when we ask a question, he has such a clear answer and it's easy to understand. And I believe he will be an incredible governor of the state of Texas. Looking forward to seeing how all of that unfolds. One of the great lessons of today's episode is that we must hold on to these strongholds of conservatism. And particularly as it relates to a state the size of Texas with the influence of Texas, if we lose Texas in so many ways, we're going to have to claw our way back over a long period of time to a position where we can once again govern. So we look forward to seeing what will take place there and very encouraged by the direction that uh, we're going. And uh, again, grateful for our guest today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.